music? If you can't, no, they can't go right into music. You have to do something. There is from uh, 1886 a menu developed by a gentleman in Chicago featuring some of America's most noteworthy wildlife. For soup, venison hunter style and game broth, fish broiled trout with shrimp sauce, baked black bass with claret sauce, boiled foods, leg of mountain sheep and ham of bear, venison tongue, buffalo tongue, Loin of buffalo, mountain sheep, wild goose, quail, redhead, duck, jackrabbit, black-tailed deer, coon, canvasback duck, English hare, blue-winged teal, partridge, widgeon, brant, saddle of venison, pheasants, mallard duck, prairie chicken, wild turkey, spotted grouse, black bear, opossum, leg of elk, wood duck, sandhill crane, ruffed grouse, and cinnamon bear most of which don't live here anymore. No, uh, Maggie doesn't live here anymore, no. Yes, they all went away. No, yeah, yes, right, they all went away to the little foreign away. town of D.C. Thank you, Jesus. What? Thank you, Jesus, for giving us room to live in this fine country. Thank you, Jesus, for taking away all the beaver. Oh, thank you, yeah. Lord. Thank, thank you, Jesus, Jesus for oh. taking away all the buffalo. Yeah, the thank buffalo. you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank oh, you, Jesus, there was no room for us and the buffalo. Thank no you, Jesus, free. for letting us win the war against the cows. Curb your dog, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for letting me talk like you. <laughs> thank you for the speech impediment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for making you know. Make them all talk like me. Gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 666th continuous meeting of the American Hysterical Society. This evening we have a series of mildly interesting readings for you, uh, starting with Mr. G. Washington of Virginia reading a letter of the same. Thank you very Mr. Much. Washington. Thank you very much. Thank you. Check out your teeth. This morning... This morning, in the oldest hotel in Ipswich, I, I found a letter under my mattress, which I think is of great hysterical significance. I would like to read it to you now. February 24, 1784. My dearest Nabby, although the brunt of duty still weighs thick upon my fingers, I have willed the time to take plume in hand and write you of my progress in this matter. We are presently in Chalestown, I believe that that's Charlestown, resting in a smart church of brick plastered over like stone. 
It stands alone, surrounded by the blackened shells of once elegant chicken houses, a result of the last raid by the Indians from Litvak's Landing. I am glad to see several Negras at church, one of whom told me she is there constantly since they are wont to keep her locked up in the flute room. I do not know what a flute room is. At Thunderbolt, we took boat, and on Friday, August 13, you see they had bad luck in those days too, came hard to Bum's Landing, where I finally delivered Mr. O the letters you beseeched me to destroy. <laughs> At our return the next day, we took up our lodging with the Germans. Mr. Delamart and I having opportunity day by day of observing their whole behavior. <laughs> but more of that anon. I can't read what their behavior was like. <laughs> and now to business, Nabby. I must say that the hemp harvest is rumored to be most heavy this year. <laughs> and our party, including the defiled Mr. Quincy, horses and all, are fast to make it to Scoff's breath in time for it. Tis of a quality to stretch a neck, the local wags are wont to say. <laughs> but in all events, I shall be there at market time with a full load in my pants. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe the vernacular was different in 1784. Uh, as you know, I never miss the peculiar joys of the hemp. Must close now, can hardly see. <laughs> Your faithful servant, G.W., we know who that is. P.S., tell Henderson at Mystica the teeth are holding up well, but I fear one of the oak molars is beginning to grow. Fourteen May... 1789, to Most Honorable Assembly of the State of Connecticut, convened at Hartford. <laughs> Your good old steady friends and brethren, the Mohican tribe of Indians, sendeth greeting. We beg leave to lay our concerns and burdens at Your Excellency's feet. The times are exceedingly altered. Yea, the times have turned everything upside down. Or rather, we have changed the good times, chiefly by the help of the white people. For in times past, our forefathers lived in peace, love, and great harmony, and had everything in great plenty. When they wanted meat, they would just run into the bush a little ways with their weapons and would soon bring home good venison, raccoon, bear, and fowl. If they chose to have fish, they would only go to the river or along the seashore and frequently fill their canoes with a variety of fish, both scaled and shellfish. And they had abundance of nuts, wild fruit, ground nuts and ground beans, and they planted but little corn and beans. And they kept no cattle or horses, for they needed none. And they had no contention about their lands as it lay in common to them all. And they had but one large dish, and they could all eat together in peace and love. But alas, it is not so now. All our fishing, hunting, and fowling... The removal of the Cherokee Indians from their lifelong homes in the year 1838 found me a young man in the prime of life and a private soldier in the American army. Being acquainted with many of the Indians and able to fluently speak their language, I was sent as interpreter into the Smoky Mountain country in May 1838 witnessed the execution of the most brutal order in the history of American warfare. 
I saw the helpless Cherokees arrested and dragged from their homes and driven at the bayonet point into the stockades. And in the chill of a drizzling rain on an October morning, I saw them loaded like cattle or sheep into 645 wagons and started toward the west. One can never forget the sadness and solemnity of that morning. Chief John Ross led in prayer, and many of the bugles sounded, and the wagons started rolling. Many of the children rose to their feet and waved their little hands goodbye to their mountain homes, knowing they were leaving them forever. Many of these helpless people did not have blankets, and many of them had been driven from home barefooted. On the morning of November the 17th, we encountered a terrific sleet and snowstorm with freezing temperatures, and from that day until we reached the end of the fateful journey on March the 26th, 1839, the sufferings of the Cherokees were awful. The trail of the exiles was a trail of death. The trail of the exiles was a trail of death. The if I started in killing buffalo for the Union Pacific Railroad, about 69, I had a wagon with four mules, one driver, and two butchers. Oh, yeah? His old, brave, well-armed man... Myself, I was riding my horse, Brigham. No, I, I had remember to keep that. a close and careful lookout for engines before making my run into a herd of buffalo. <laughs> yeah. it, was my, it was my custom in those days to pick out a herd that seemed to have the fattest cows and the youngest heifers. Right. I had to rush my horse into them, picking out the fattest cows and shooting them down That's while right. my horse would be running along beside them, you know. I killed from 25 to 40 buffalo while the herd was circling, and they'd all be dropped very close oh, together. Oh, those you know, were the days. Covering about, say, five acres. I killed buffalo for the railroad company for 12 months. God damn, During that fantastic. time, the number I brought into camp was kept to count of. In the end of that period, I'd killed 4,280 buffalo. God damn, that's fantastic, Chief. Yeah, during those 12 months, you know, I had many fights with the engines. We'd make our breastworks around the uh, wheels of the wagon story? by throwing out the meat. Yeah. And we'd protect ourselves yeah. from getting behind the buffalo ham. That's right. And in this manner, we held off from 40 to 60 <laughs> engines on one or two occasions until we received assistance. I'd make my smoke signals at once, which the soldiers would inch to the sea and yeah. rush to our rescue. I had five men killed during my connection with the Union Pacific, three drivers. The other two guys was butchers. And with all my association with Indian girls from October 29 to March 26, 1839, I did not meet one who was a moral prostitute. They are kind and tender-hearted, and many of them are beautiful. <laughs> 